it was that was a very silly question shama i'm sorry about that but it was like <laughs> let's not include that yeah it, i probably might <laughs> oh god hello my dear ripples or random internet people listening welcome to the next episode of spinning the wheel well what you just heard is me underestimating the complex dichotomy of recording an episode with a close friend who also happens to be a brilliant guest with some amazing perspectives to share Let's see. Shama is a psychologist. She works with schools all over the country. She counsels adolescent children, provides career advice, and is a huge vocal advocate about creating awareness surrounding mental health. She also writes amazing articles by the way. Uh me and Shama started out on Clubhouse around roughly around the same time. And that's when I witnessed Shama's indisputable talent. and pulling together a crowd and moderating discussions on some pretty sensitive and serious topics taking in perspectives and providing them in a seamless fashion we had plenty of uh, free flowing conversations on and off and between about random stuff with very little restrictions we there's a lot of jokes and making fun of each other we vibe well so i thought it would be a uh, a great idea to share that vibe with an audience and see what happens but you know it's it's when i started recording and later editing that i painfully realized that like a lot of the silly banter that i initiate would not fit into like the box conception of a psychologist talking about serious issues so so this episode was about me keeping it together and practicing restraint so i would not mess this episode up what you heard earlier was one of a ton of items i had to cut out of this episode and i just want to share that bit of pain with you my little ripples so uh welcome shama having said that and thank you so much for doing this sure uh, thanks so much for having me on your podcast philip it's a pleasure and we've been good friends for quite some time now so it's a added bonus that i'm getting to talk to a friend while recording the podcast so i'm that much more comfortable so uh, i'm a psychologist dealing primarily with adolescents i'm also a career counselor and a counselor trainer uh, i have almost 10 years of experience working with children with schools consulting with schools across the country uh, i have counseled thousands of students and i've also conducted workshops on numerous issues ranging from learning disabilities to career options so uh, as far as my educational qualifications are concerned i am a postgraduate in clinical psychology i've also done a postgraduate diploma in guidance and counseling uh, and i am an avid reader so i've done a certificate course in creative writing from the british council i've also interned with ndtv 247 my psychology internship was with wim hands in new delhi and uh, well as far as my work is concerned i 
come from a family of psychologists so mental health awareness uh, conversations about psychology have been a part of me growing up so uh, it is a it has a place very close to my heart as far as psychology is concerned and uh, i would love to make mental health awareness and conversations about mental health a part of daily life across the country that is my aim and i guess i i live in delhi with my family so that is all i have to say as of now that is how i would introduce myself and back to you what we were going to discuss uh, shama was was like you know as an educator as a psychologist you, you know how like clubhouse is like uh, teaming with the uh, you know airport psychologists who are like giving up advice and i'm so happy that you know you're not you're extremely careful mm-hmm. i am i am absolutely i don't talk about uh, stuff that i don't have experience of i'm very upfront about it that okay this is my area of expertise and this is something that i'm not aware of so i won't give my two cents on it so yeah. i'm pretty clear about that <laughs> shama is uh, known to give out more disclaimers than actual content on clubhouse she's one of those yeah, psychologists that's that's real so, funny philip <laughs> <laughs> so going on like the whole scope of education the education system has been turned on its head with the covid hitting us i mean i have two kids mm. and one of the aspects that you come to immediately notice is how much of it is actually disposable mm. how much of it can be what do you say metered down all the necessary stuff being whittled down because everyone is in a space situation where they need to like whittle down as much as they can within the limitations that they have mm-hmm. and it's it's like it's such a it's such an awakening in the sense like how how the education system has been in place for so many years like centuries even to build like all these assembly line workers when we've moved on into like a whole different planet in terms of how people work how people live how people think it's also different so do you feel that we're actually like in the sense we have a two dimensional education system for kids who are exposed to the to like information coming through so many different channels compared to what we had in our generation so they're kind of like in a 3d brain and we have forced a 2d educational system on them do you have do you have any opinions See. on that current generation of children they grew up they were born with an ipad or a mobile or a internet connection in their hands literally you could just put it that way so just this lifelong exposure to technology right from the time they were born has led to their brains developing differently so the kind of learning that we were used to which if you want to describe it as 2d 
uh, and the kind of learning that they are used to the kind of experiences learning experiences that they are used to their brains have developed differently so obviously the way of teaching them needs to change needs to catch up so with the pandemic hitting us is it because of the pandemic hitting us or was it already in the offing that this kind of change was supposed to happen anyway we don't know that i would not comment on that but with the pandemic hitting a lot of most of the learning has gone online now that has come with its sh- share of cons but the pro is that uh, kids who were kind of growing up with technology the learning has moved digitally to the digital online platform and it has become a blended sort of a learning situation a learning ecosystem and that is why uh, it is advantageous in a lot of ways but it has kind of put teachers on their toes because now they can't just be people who are giving like information just information giving uh, robots they can't be like that they have to be really providing knowledge providing guidance providing interactive uh, environments providing a lot more than what they were used to providing so even teachers have had to up their game schools have had to up their game because kids now realize that learning if they just want knowledge and if they just want information that is available on so many learning platforms online learning platforms these days that they don't necessarily need teachers to learn so teachers have so many other roles to fulfill now knowledge providers guidance providers uh, a medium of how to learn skills that come with learning so uh, some exposure to the real world their own inputs which uh, you know a digital non human system cannot provide so teachers have had to change their roles so much because of the pandemic and because of the way the education system is going to change anyway because of the advent of technology so the pandemic just happened to be the uh, what do you call it the reason why we went so online so quickly but i think this change was in the on the horizon anyway we were supposed to move in this direction anyway but it has come with its share of cons also that we can talk about it So yeah. So you're saying in a, in a in a way like the pandemic has acted as a catalyst for something that was obviously going to happen but we mm. were putting off because of the whole red tape and legislature and you know the whole paperwork with regards to yes, that yes. probably yes it has definitely proven to be a catalyst for this change this uh, instant jumping onto the bandwagon of uh, digitalization of education and everything moving online it has proven to be some kind of a catalyst to it but because we were not prepared for it it was not a, a step by step process we had to just suddenly change ourselves so uh, the cons of digital online learning versus classroom learning there are a lot of issues that do come up that uh, because of the sudden change that we have not been able to take care of yet i guess eventually we will uh, kind of be able to catch up i feel so what like we come to the teaching aspect mm-hmm. on and how the pressure on teachers is my wife is a teacher okay. so i can see it live how, how that happens 
but coming to the kids the students who are like used to like a generations and generations of kids who are used to being <clears throat> sorry sitting in a classroom you know fiddling around with their pencils looking at somebody who could or slash could not be you know uh, giving out that energy that children kind of tune into you know con- that's conducive for a learning process and now they're like in a space that's like they have 200% freedom they have all the tools to entertain themselves to keep them engaged they can like switch screens they can do anything they want so and this is a generation which is known you know is adept with the tools that technology provides so how do you feel is there a positive shift for the children or is that like has more negatives than it obviously reveals itself to have okay so i'll put it this way technology and education was supposed to move in this direction only things were supposed to go online to a certain extent but the only issue is that the digital divide between the haves and the have nots when it comes to technology like children from economically weaker sections the children from uh, normal upper middle class to middle class backgrounds have access to good laptop configurations and stable internet connections whereas children from these are all realistic on ground issues that will have come up in while uh, traversing the digital online education ecosystem so children from economically weaker sections all that the family has is one mobile that everybody uses and a not particularly stable internet connection like they probably don't have broadband or anything so the because the pandemic has forced us to suddenly move all education online they cannot come to school and attend classes especially children from upscale schools uh, where there is a quota for economically weaker sections the economically weaker section children no offense to them uh, had this access to uh, premium educational tools and uh, uh, ed- educational systems and books and all these things while well, they were c- coming to physical classes but as soon as the pandemic hit and everything was from home they are back to square one and all they have access to right now is a small mobile that probably their father their mother other children at home also need to use so they have kind of been left behind because of this sudden jump to online education and that is a very very big reality of a big con of online education that uh, the have nots when it comes to technology uh, have been left behind so i am not sure what is the solution to it because i'm not a policy maker or i'm not a technology expert but as a teacher as an educator and as a psychologist i know this is the reality that these children are suffering this way their education has taken a hit because uh, of the lack of access to technology so there is this huge knowledge gap and children have become kind of out of sync with the whole education that was till now going on smoothly 
but because of the pandemic that they have become out of sync with what is being taught in class they are not able to attend classes regularly children in remote areas where internet connections are not easily available or very stable uh, they are suffering because of that and the children who have access to technology also there are so many distractions key possibilities like you were just saying yourself there are so many distractions available while the online learning is going on i am aware of children who give the google link to their classes to other kids who are out there to make mischief so sometimes people do that also so there is this disruption that is happening in education because of it moving online there are advantages to it there are numerous numerous advantages to it and we have to move in this direction only uh, it has to be an amalgam of technology and education now it is the reality of the world we are living in but because it happened not in a staggered in a systematic way because we had to instantly kind of adapt to it there are a lot of uh, loopholes left because of which uh, education is taking a hit the quality of education the children having access to education because there are so many children with so much potential who are just not having access to education because they don't have access to technology so that issue is there interesting and the other aspect like from a psychologist perspective like you see i'm sure that you've been interacting with a lot of kids probably online uh but is there like a visible change in in the mindset of like the generation of kids who have been forced into this environment where they have to stay with home stay at home with their parents or in some cases without anyone at home uh for extended periods of time and is in in like there's all of this news about the pandemic and people dying and there's so much exposure to deaths and physical uh, you know all these hospitals being flooded this whole scenario of a constant emergency situation that's been perpetuated perpetuated through the news channels through media and how do you feel like that has kind of affected uh the psyche of a normal like say primary school to middle school child depending on your experiences of course it has it, it must have affected them so deeply because this is not a natural state of being being cooped up at home the whole day and the increased screen time a certain increase in screen time is acceptable but the kids who are in senior classes for example they were used to offline education all their lives and suddenly for the last 2 years everything examinations classrooms projects daily classes interaction with teachers interaction interaction with classmates everything has been relegated to the online realm so uh, obviously it has led to a change in mindset increased stress uh, increased frustration all these issues have come up because of the lack of social interaction although online there is a certain extent of interaction happening but the lack of real world interaction is really taking its toll and think of the younger children especially children like my son for example he's 4 years old he has not seen a real classroom in his life real classroom to kya uh, the playground he hasn't been able to access the playground Absolutely. as freely as so 
so obviously it has really taken a toll on the way children are growing up the excessive amounts of screen time that they are forced to uh, accommodate although well it is the reality of life so i guess we are adaptable beings so we adapt to it but this lack of real world interaction this lack of socialization because school is not just a place where education happens a lot of social skills are picked up like when you interact with your classmates when you interact with your teachers you meet people from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of mindsets and all kinds of outlooks it changes you it affects you it shapes you and that uh, aspect is now being taken out of their lives so it is a big big change big visceral change in the way uh, they are growing up so yeah i would uh, i would say that and more so I believe the, the section or a section of children who are being affected even much more is, you know, children with neurodiverse uh, issues or what do you say challenges. Like uh, my younger daughter has a lot of learning dis- learning disabilities. She has not, you know, hit the uh, what do you say conventional milestone. She's still struggling to read and write. She's eight years old. So I. what i've noticed like in the sense is that there's there's a big difference between interacting with a screen and interacting with a real person and all these kids who are in these environments where they were privileged to have that singular attention uh focus real time interaction to deal with their you know issues what what they're struggling with all of this has been eliminated and it has been condensed into a screen version which is completely ineffective because you know it's different issues for different children but one of the common issues that they face is the attention span with a screen is way lesser and the way they absorb the information has been nullified so is there like in your experience or in in from what you've observed is like is there a hybrid situation or where these kids can actually benefit like people with i mean children with neurodiverse challenges learning disabilities and stuff like that do they have a chance or do they still have to wait for you know the regular school system to start up again okay uh, there are three things that need to be defined here for people who don't have that psychology background or don't have awareness of these terms one is like blended learning which you mentioned hybrid learning which you mentioned and then learning disabilities so blended learning is a mixture of online and offline learning so both types of learning systems are used and that is what is called a blended system of education which is happening in schools right now hybrid system of education although the terms are kind of used interchangeably hybrid and blended but the correct definition of hybrid is a learning system that is most suited and catering to the needs of the learner 
बीट कंप्लीटली ऑफलाइन कंप्लीटली ऑनलाइन और मिक्स ऑफ बोथ सो दैट इज वॉट इज हाइब्रिड सो दर इज अ डिफरेंस बिटवीन हाइब्रिड एंड ब्रेंडेड लर्निंग एंड लर्निंग डिसबिलिटीज एज वी आर अवेयर आर न्यूरो डेवलपमेंटल डिसऑर्डर्स दैट अफेक्ट द वे द ब्रेन प्रोसेस इंफॉर्मेशन रिलेटेड टू रीडिंग राइटिंग मैथमेटिक्स नंबर्स लर्निंग सोशल स्किल्स सो दैट इज वॉट आर लर्निंग डिसबिलिटीज so there are a lot of children with special educational needs out of which learning disabilities are the major chunk of it so uh, yes blend uh, this online model of education if you are uh, uh, using 3d technology and a lot of interactive uh, environments in learning do have their advantages in that they make the absorption of information easier they kind of stimulate different senses so that it is a wholesome learning process so children with learning disabilities uh, will find it easier to understand certain concepts if they are presented in a certain way for example somebody with dyslexia which is a reading disorder will uh, benefit from visual representation of information as compared to uh, if it is just written as text which they will have difficulty in comprehending on numbers for example if numbers instead of numbers being presented for somebody with dyscalculia if uh, it is presented in some other way that makes the concept easier to digest then uh, yes children will benefit from that online that technology aspect of it but again the con is that one who all will have access to this technology children from what kind of backgrounds only will be able to access this kind of technology so children from certain backgrounds will also all children from all kind of backgrounds will have learning disabilities learning disabilities are not limited to children from certain backgrounds only right so children from economically weaker sections again will lose out in this race of online technology because just because they don't have access to that technology and secondly the real world interaction and the real world attention that a human teacher will be able to give uh, although on the online learning environment also the teacher is present but she is not there in person subtle signals that you notice in an real world interaction may be missed out in an online interaction so there are so many cons to it but there are advantages to it definitely but as with all things there are these disadvantages also so it's a mixed bag i would say what do you do to keep your state of mind stable in such an environment with situations changing what are like is there a renewed set of expectations from you especially on clubhouse from psychologists i mean there's a team of psychologists who are going around and offering help rays of light to people all over the planet which is scary in a sense and like how has it changed as a person you know as a mom as a as a wife or daughter all those post personal uh, you know roles that you have to play on a day to day basis is there how how do you like balance the whole set of expectations that you have professionally and personally and and do you think 
from your experiences the role of of a woman specifically has changed in this whole gamut of changes that we're going through question that's a very detailed question with sub questions and sub sub questions so um, i i so answering your first very first question as to who i turn to when i need help myself i always turn to my dad my dad is this gem of a human being who most people turn to when they need help in a crisis so obviously as his daughter i have first dibs on his advice and his learnings so i turn to my dad for uh, soothing advice for insights for chastising myself for correcting myself i turn to my dad and all the lifelong learnings that he has given me and of course my mother while she was alive when she had given me uh, i turn to that i read a lot so reading really I mean it changes your life it's life changing it's like you get to learn from other people's life experiences without le- living their lives you just need to read the book that they kind of wrote about their life experiences you so I'm talking about non-fiction here particularly speaking so you get to learn so much from reading books and from fiction I learned uh, how to write better how to express better improve my vocabulary so uh, that has really helped me professionally so reading has helped me my father's advice and presence in my life has helped me and as far as the changing roles yes because my son is at home the whole day because uh, we he doesn't go to school so obviously i have this responsibility to take care of him from morning till the time he sleeps so i have to fit in all my work in between all that and society kind of expects that as a woman i don't know why this expectation is not there with men or maybe there is i don't know you can answer that better as a man but as a woman society will always expect and i have been told explicitly put family first all professional aspirations aside all personal aspirations and needs aside put family first has been the expectation from me i don't know if it's a patriarchal mindset i don't know if it's a regressive mindset i don't know if it's a progressive mindset i don't know what it is i don't know if it is right or wrong i wouldn't categorize it as right or wrong but that has been the expectation from me that i have to put my family first as a woman as a mother as a wife as a daughter as a sister i'm expected to put my family first and everything else although important comes later is what i have been taught i don't know the experiences of other women there uh, and uh, for example when i before i got married i used to travel across the country to work with different schools across the country so i've literally visited pretty much every state in the country i have hit once at least so but after marriage i don't travel because uh, time with family gets affected and my responsibilities at home uh, are compromised so then i don't travel anymore so although i love that and it helped a lot in my professional growth i don't get to do that anymore so uh, yes society has a lot of expectations from women and we are somehow expected to be able to manage professional life personal life and uh, family life with such panache and such grace and elegance which i don't know where people get it from i have no grace and elegance 
very honestly i am haphazard when managing stuff but i do it i still do it but well well you're not the judge of that shama <laughs> but please do continue yes <laughs> that that's that's a valid point uh, but i do it and uh, yes uh, as a wife there are a lot of expectations from me as a mother particularly there are huge expectations from me and sometimes you always feel like you're just not doing enough you're just not doing enough this has never been a issue professionally that i'm not doing enough whatever little i do professionally seems good enough but as a all my other roles as a woman seem more important as far as the expectations the expectations that i perceive from people uh my other roles as wife mother sister daughter seem more important than my professional role on me as a person ab i don't know if this is the same that men also face this or are they expected to just focus professionally and are they allowed to do that without uh, them being called bad fathers i don't know how it is with men but this is my personal experience as far as being a woman and having these multitudinous roles is concerned So yeah, that's what I would say. Well, yeah, I. It's just about there could be two aspects. One is like the family that you were born into or that you got married into. The you know the mindset of those individuals who are around you, and there could be. the role that you're actually performing like as a psychologist and somebody who has to travel and who has to go to schools you definitely have no uh, alternative but to perform those duties in your uh, professional realm and you can't just cut it off as something being your personal wish it is about you're contributing back towards family it is about the family you're taking care of the family so i don't see the the whole aspect of you continuing your education to be i mean continuing your career to be something of a personal choice you know so it is about changing mindsets it is about standing up for yourself and you know making your case clear and it is about making people understand that your priorities are this and make them very clear so that they know what to expect there's going to be a little rumble tumble in between but that's okay at the at the end of the day you have to make it very clear that these are your priorities and i'm sure that most people will adapt to that change in a maybe not in a smooth fashion but they will adapt so that's my take on the whole aspect of men and women on their roles in society and there's it's a, it's a it's a changing trend i think you know what philip uh, i would just put a question across to you this way that you doing your duties as a father since your wife has to go out and work and you are able to work from home so you doing your duties as a father taking care of your children taking them wherever they need to go teaching them maybe cooking for them versus your wife doing all these things who gets more credit for doing it 
do you as a man think that you get more credit for doing all these things that you are an extraordinary father for doing that but if the woman does it she's just doing her duties you think there's an interpretation like that when it is from society and also the second point i would like to make is that yes it is about standing up for yourself and uh, making your priorities clear to other people but it's easier said than done you can go ahead and say all these things but the censure that you get the negative vibes that you get are on a different level altogether so it's a different very challenging thing to stand up for yourself and your professional aspirations as well as balancing family especially when it's been uh, you've been brought up with the mindset that family is the priority and you also agree with it right you also agree that family is the priority so totally what about agree. those women i do i do but not all women agree there are women who put their professional aspirations first so do those women become bad people how do we interpret Absolutely. that is a big question <laughs> see but it is it is what it is 100% what you're saying is correct probably it's like you know there's a whole okay oh that guy is taking care of his kids oh that's so sweet oh look at that yeah, and no. you, you women do all the same shit and double that and it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's a job yeah mm-hmm. what does he want does he want an award yeah i get that it's totally mm-hmm. there and that's the world that we're unfortunately in <laughs> exactly no, that, that is what i'm trying to say that's the world there's no in. change i mean absolutely it's but i'm saying i i can't wrap my head around the fact that people you know can't see that this is this is not about the sex this is this is about personal situations and if so and so person with so and so circumstances with so and so situation this is how they would react and it's kind of hard to explain but i think it's all going to unfold going forward it's i don't know how long it's going to take mm-hmm. even with the whole metaverse situation you know where, where there's a lot of role reversals and and uh, stuff that's going to come i think this is an exciting phase that that we can be looking forward to mm-hmm. that how society norms change if you had an alternate choice of reality but that's that's a complete discussion altogether we're not changing the world today in this room so that's not going to happen you have your challenges shama i will tell you that and they are real challenges and you're not the only person who's facing them no no and no. we just have to figure out a way i guess to yeah. circumvent them probably it's our mindset that has maybe we're not in the right mindset probably we have to change other people's mindset probably there's a space in between where both of us have to change at some level so i don't know you know i'm not qualified to uh, answer these questions but i'm hopeful and i see the trend moving towards a woman or a man getting the same credit for putting family or career first according to their priorities and doing a good job of it as long as nobody is hurt as long as the kid i mean i heard somewhere that the default mental state of 
any parent this confusion you know regardless of who or what you place as a perfect parent or a perfect couple in all likelihood everybody is facing the same struggles but they put up a brave front you know everything is hunky dory on the outside it doesn't necessarily mean that they're having a machine run system going on at home where the children are perfect and everybody at home is kind and generous and understanding no i think that we have a facade that we show out to society and the inner engineering of what happens at home stays at home so 70% is how you project yourself outside shama in my opinion what you put out there and the rest will will i know hopefully unfold and take care of itself it's a time thing so yeah let's hope for the best is what all that i can say yeah i agree i guess we have these ideal standards that we talk about that we would like to aspire to and then daily life happens so i guess that's how things kind of pan out for me at least but i do have these idealistic standards that i kind of measure myself up against and that i guess all parents do and all mothers fathers do and then real life happens the no, daily no nobody has the same standards as you have shown you have exceptional oh, <laughs> <laughs> i have exceptional standards maybe out of maybe maybe that somewhere you could start know your expectations yeah so shama what's the difference between going through a bad phase and being depressed at what point should a like a parent be seeking professional help for their child Sure, Philip. That's a very valid question. Uh, generally, when you have a low mood, it doesn't last beyond like a few days or maybe one or two weeks, and you get over it kind of with your normal coping skills and mechanisms. You are able to get over it. But when the low mood, the uh, sadness lasts beyond like two weeks or two three weeks, and, and you have this loss of energy, lethargy. hopelessness helplessness uh, loss of appetite as and in extreme cases suicidal thoughts um, lack of interest in the things that you usually had interest in a general disinterest towards life and fun activities when this kind of mood persists for more than 2 or 3 weeks and when it doesn't go away with your natural coping mechanisms it warrants a visit to a mental health professional be it a child or an adult and you shouldn't make a diagnosis of you shouldn't self diagnose it as depression or a low mood let the professional do that and let the professional figure out whether this needs medication or just some kind of therapy talking therapy like counseling like cognitive behavior therapy or any of these therapies will it uh, resolve with the help of these and let the uh, mental health professional decide on how to proceed further if these things are happening so i would only advise parents to take their child seriously when the child is uh, wise enough to come up to you and let you know that he's feeling sad and the sadness is not going away no matter what he tries to do so take your child seriously at that 
that is what i would advise okay so um, one subtext to my to this question that i had earlier and i was asking about was in this time where you know the media has all the scattered information from celebrities uh and uh, the whole shenanigans surrounding depression and how uh it's a serious thing it is a serious thing definitely and people needs to find you know the courage and you know the the, the safety to seek help from a profession but you know, the the whole celebrity wave of like deepika padukone or a, a, a wave of celebrities after her and before her who have like put this on a platform and there are children kids adolescents teens consuming this information do you think like they would you know take this information and take advantage in some way when all they having is just you know normal peer pressure issues stuff like that or like anybody can have a bad day even a bad week right mm-hmm. in normal circumstances a normal human being of a normal mind right so mm-hmm. that is the challenge because of this wave of information that the today's generation is at the receipt of so how do you is there any technique for a parent to you know maneuver through this information and kind of uh not promote their child into being a kind of you know a sissy for lack of a better word or weak or and you know there are times when negative uh what do you say you need some tough love kids do you feel so i understand where you're coming from philip but i would kind of uh, disagree here and i would put it this way uh, if a child is coming up to you saying that he's feeling sad and depressed even if he's not suffering from clinical depression that really means that he's wanting attention at least and that in itself should be a red flag that the child is hasn't been getting sufficient attention or love or he feels the need to come up with some kind of a complaint so that you would at least look at him the parent would at least look at him and pay attention to him so that itself should be a warning sign that something is missing here and the worst part of the story is that sometimes the child may actually be uh, requiring clinical attention and the only way the child even realized this is because of all the information and the misinformation that is going around in the media and with the celebrities coming up and talking about it both hollywood and bollywood a lot of awareness has been created and a lot of misinformation has started circulating where people have started self diagnosing so uh, self diagnosis or diagnosis by somebody who's not a trained professional mental health professional is something to be avoided and parents should also avoid doing that if they notice their child having the symptoms that i just mentioned in the answer beforehand they shouldn't go as far as diagnosing that this must be depression but they should take it as a red flag and take their child to a mental health professional maximum what will happen is the mental health professional will look at the child and say that okay this is just a bad phase and he will give the child tools to get over that phase and get back on track and 
having a low mood and then talking about it will not make a child a weak person because uh, acknowledging your emotions is the only way to deal with it so uh, i would say that it's okay if the child is acknowledging the fact that he's feeling sad instead of trying to hide it or suppress it because that doesn't work and that's a way to a really unhealthy way of dealing with emotions so i won't advise that a maximum it will cost you one visit to a mental health professional but i think most parents will be okay with taking that chance rather than uh, taking the chance of their child actually uh, dealing with something that is not in his capacity to deal so i would say give attention to the child pay attention to him when he comes up with some kind of pain or complaint be happy that he feels close enough he or she feels close enough to come and tell you this uh, curse the misinformation that is around but be happy that at least the child has got a word to describe his feelings of sadness and if you feel that the child is uh, needing it then i would advise you i in fact i wouldn't say diagnose whether he needs it or not i would say if he is complaining about it if he is complaining about it then take him to a mental health professional it will just cost that visit that's all you will go back with peace of mind or with tools to deal with it so i think that would be the best way to go forward absolutely now that you mentioned it, i i had this friend uh who was dealing with issues with her daughter like she was going through a very tumultuous phase she is like preteens uh like 13 oh 13 14 years in preteens it's actually teens and she was you know very withdrawn she was like uh putting on weird makeup dark a lot of dark makeup you know hair and stuff and she was lazy so her her mom or, or my friend was took it on as like it could be it's just the kids throwing attitude it's a teen thing and yeah and later a year later actually she broke down like she was crying continuously and she couldn't get out of bed she was like it was extreme and that's when they had taken the decision to go and uh, the thing was they were confused they went to a couple of psychologists and uh, it took a while to find somebody who the child could connect with right so that was something that i wanted like how do you like for most people especially in india going to a psychologist is not something common it's usually like in the scenarios that i describe it goes to the extreme and yes. you run to somebody that you know or somebody who has a good referral probably hopefully that's what they do and uh uh god forbid they just go to the first person at your nearest hospital or something without doing the proper research how how would you you know make that inference that okay this is this is the person or uh, that we could be comfortable with is there like any criteria that you can have to meet with See, the correct psychologist sure uh, if it's a rehabilitation professional you're looking for 
then I would say, or a special educator, then I would say look for an RCI registration. But um, if it's a psychologist, then the profession is not that regulated. So not necessarily all psychologists will have an RCI registration. No, but first, first, first of all, who do you go to first? Is it like I've seen a lot of uh, like institutions having youth council centers, and then there are the hospitals who house both psychologists and psychiatrists. Yes. And so, who do you who do you go first to? See, you can start off by I will tell you the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. I think a lot of people are aware of it and a lot of people are not. So a psychiatrist is MBBS and then MD in psychiatry generally. So they are medical doctors who are uh, authorized to prescribe medication. Psychologists are uh, masters in psychology, then they have done higher degrees in psychology probably hold a phd or an mphil and they are trained in dealing with mental health issues without the use of medication so psychologists are not allowed to prescribe medications so you can start off by going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist they generally work hand in hand and together so they're like a team for example for uh, something like obsessive compulsive disorder a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist can diagnose it but only a psychiatrist will be able to prescribe the medication required for uh, dealing with obsessive compulsive disorder but a psychologist will be trained in something like cognitive behavior therapy which has proved very helpful in dealing with the maladaptive thought processes that OCD manifests itself as I know that sounds like a lot of complicated stuff but the uh, simple explanation of it is that you can go to either a psychiatrist or a psychologist they will refer you to a psychologist or a psychiatrist as the need arises while they are uh, dealing with your case so going to either one is all right if you think you are having any kind of mental health issues or if daily functioning is becoming difficult then you can start off by visiting a psychologist or you can start off by visiting a psychiatrist and they will give you the option of uh, just uh, dealing with it through therapy if you want to try it out or dealing with it through medication and therapy or only medication so according to just like patients have a say in how they want to be treated so a psychiatrist or a psychologist will give you that option so depending on the severity of the condition you take a call on what course of treatment it requires so any reputed hospital institution or um, if uh, would and you should look at the qualifications of the psychologist if you're going to a psychologist then you should look at their qualifications their years of experience not to say that people who are freshly graduated uh, will not be able to deal with the issues but obviously uh, you would prefer to go to somebody with a lot of experience and uh, what other there if possible uh, if you can get it through a referral like if somebody else has had a good experience with them that would be a good way to proceed with it and there's a lot of stigma attached to going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist but people should easier said than done but people should understand that mental health issues are just as normal as having uh, diabetes or throat infection or fever or any other issue of the body similarly the mind also requires just as much care so psychology is not a profession that is just some kind of a, a new age thing that people have an option with it is a mandatory thing 
it should be a mandatory thing for all human beings to get support for their mental health so uh, i would say let us work together to get rid of the stigma of going to a psychologist because there are millions of people who need help that way and a lot of family issues would get resolved if only people would get the mental health support that they need so that's what i would say absolutely so three things a pre adolescent boy needs to learn from his mother and three things that he would need to learn from his father Processes that the woman goes through and what the woman's body goes through. I think he'll uh, have a renewed respect for women once his mother has that conversation with him. And also, the third thing he can learn is how to balance chasing your own aspirations and taking care of a family because women are uh, experts at doing that. So I would love it if uh, a boy can learn that from his mother. Well, I, I think. And uh, what a boy can learn from his father is. how to treat women with respect and affection uh, how to be emotionally available as a man and be in touch with your emotions as a man and also how to be uh, assertive without uh, resorting to aggression i think that's what he can learn from his father okay so next question things that you have observed psychologists do on clubhouse but which they didn't okay um, there have been a lot of mental health rooms on clubhouse in the heydays i every second room was related to mental health and they were not always psychologists who were the moderators or who were taking care of that room so i have a big issue with that mental health is not something to be taken so lightly and people when they come and share their traumas and the personal and deeply uh, problematic and emotionally heavy things that happen to them publicly in front of everybody it is it could be triggering for other people who are listening to it even if you give trigger warnings you really don't know what is going to be said by the person so in spite of the trigger warnings so called trigger warnings that were being given it might be very very deeply triggering for other people and also the person who who is doing doing the sharing he needs support he needs to be taken care of he, he needs a proper clinical therapeutic session in order to deal with that issue and not just one two minutes of speaking time which is allowed in clubhouse rooms in general and then the psychologist even if he's a he or she is a completely qualified professional sitting up there just responding to it in that instant without even getting a moment to think about it uh, yeah you, you can't just the moderator them. usually would in, in some rooms just say okay your 30 second time starts now <laughs> and then yes. it will be a whole mess i actually was stuck in this room 
where the, the I, i don't remember if you were there no you weren't there it was another room where like we are not always together in all the rooms yeah i know but i wish you were when you went away but that's a whole different story when it was like one of those rooms that we in the beginning times used to land up in just two or three or three or four people and we i think the lady was talking about mental health it was just a share it was i don't know something about share something from your life that changed you or something like that and this guy started talking about his love life and how he had traveled from hyderabad to delhi to meet her and she dumped him and the story was going on and on and then he started crying like he was the last speaker and everybody was going to like leave i think one of the moderators left and there were like four people left and this dude started crying and he was like i feel like dying and i want to like kill myself and this whole scenario just became like completely wild i mean intense because nobody could ro- leave the room at that point exactly what i'm yeah. trying to say exactly you hit the nail on the head philip you and gave the apt example to follow up with what i said so and this was this like is exactly the kind of risk that everybody was like silent for like 2 minutes and then i was because somebody had to say something what if he's like at the other end trying to kill himself or something like i asked him hello i called his name and he said yeah respond yeah i said i'm okay he said it's fine just be calm take a few breaths but beyond that i couldn't say anything and luckily somebody came in and said something and but the situation kind of resolved he was he it looked or heard like he was his normal self at the end but like what would you advise somebody if, like a normal person who's not qualified to deal this kind of stuff if such a scenario happens in a room i would say run take him run straight to a professional but how do you run he's in a room you really have to if you are not supposed to uh, encourage people to share this kind of trauma exactly. without the right clinical setting mm. so the fault lies in the very beginning of the discussion that this kind of he should have been provided a genuine uh, clinical setting with a qualified person who can deal with an outburst like this if it happens and keep this person safe and sane instead of uh, after the um, fiasco has happened how do you deal with it there are some situations you just there is just no way out of it and you people uh, the people in that room just got lucky if the guy hasn't done anything to hurt himself they just got lucky because he got triggered so much because of talking about this issue he should have been given the advice to visit a psychologist or a psychiatrist and talk about it since it was so deeply bothering him so that is the advice he should have been given and instead of waiting for this to like burst over like a dam overflows uh, people think it's therapeutic and cathartic and people use all these terminologies take him to a mental health professional advise him to go to a mental health professional the common public if somebody suddenly diagnosed with uh, a god forbid but if somebody suddenly diagnosed with cancer as a lay person although you want to help what exactly can you possibly do so similarly in a psychologically um, intense and volatile situation as a lay person there is not much you can do 
so people should understand it before triggering the discussion only. do you feel like that there are like first aid courses people who deal with emergency help oh my god then those people become mental health professionals once they undergo the training yeah so then those people become the mental health professionals once they undergo like proper training of at least uh, emergency although i don't understand how exactly this works because therapy is like a long drawn process and it, it is not usually emergency settings that psychologists deal with although they do have to sometimes a person with suicidal tendencies might come up again this conversation again might be triggering for somebody so i'll not go into that mm. but uh, you require training before you can offer any kind of help to a person and then you don't then you're not a layman no more then you are trained to help people and you become you come into the category of mental health uh, professionals not exactly psychologists but like uh, other uh, para medical professionals and all uh, but you require like severe levels of training just to deal with that for example trauma helplines and all those people should be trained in dealing with situations like that and not just anybody anybody coming and just sitting there because they need a job and they've been handed a pamphlet and they go through the pamphlet and then they think they can <laughs> actually um, save people's life that that is just painful oh my god uh, i don't even want to go to that i just imagining the scenario of of a trauma call center receiver who is pissed at the end of the day and comes in for the shift and starts taking calls So it is great that the government has uh, announced that uh, taken mental health so seriously after the pandemic, and that the union minister has around announced that there will be like tele centers, tele tele mental health centers, with uh, Nimhans being the nodal center. So that mental health is being taken more seriously in the country. I'm really relieved that that is happening. I just hope they get the trained professionals for it. I just hope that uh, just anybody and everybody who volunteers to help in or wants a job doesn't come in and do that. I'm I have big hopes that very trained and qualified people only will come in and do the required work. Hopefully that's what happens. Yes. Yep. Do you think I am qualified to be a mental health provider? Not yet. Okay. That that goes down the drain. Moving on to the next question. But I love helping people. Shama. Yeah, you can help people as a normal human being. Uh, we help people as normal human beings and they still go to doctors. So similarly, uh, we help people as normal human beings and they still go to psychologists because that's what they need when they need yeah. it. So there's nothing stopping you from generally helping people but hold back from giving like psychological advice. My, my usual psychological advice to traumatic scenarios is come on let's have a drink <laughs> I don't think psychologists will be very happy to hear it but all right and like it has an 85% success rate but usually i end up getting depressed at the end of the session so yeah that's another moving on where were we yes um yeah three things that schools need to implement in the classroom to nourish the mental strength of their students all right that's again a very thoughtful question i think schools need to be very inclusive and have children with 
diverse uh, backgrounds as well as uh, neurodiverse conditions in the classroom and equip and train all children in the classroom to learn how to live and work with each other that will promote a good mental health children should be encouraged to uh, try new things make mistakes provide them support so that they can work on those those mistakes and learn from them and not censure them or punish them for making mistakes but rather take them as learning opportunities that will promote good mental health and obviously having a solid guidance and counseling cell in each and every school and qualified people head of those departments so that students can come and talk to a qualified person who will know how to deal with all the issues that uh, very small children to uh, teenagers 17 year olds and 18 year olds in school in 12th grade face and they have somebody to talk to not just their parents but somebody who is equipped to help them and give them the help that they actually require in a professional sense of the Hmm. I I've heard I think that's yes. three things that you tolerate clubhouse but which you didn't have to Okay Um so on clubhouse there are a lot of things that I end up tolerating that I really don't need to uh, and I go to these wonderful open mic rooms where there are a lot of talented and uh, competent singers and poets and artists but sometimes there and i appreciate the enthusiasm of the people but i wish i wasn't subjected to the poetry so bad poetry bad humor and people making moderators out of every friend that joins their room and letting them speak first over everyone else who's patiently awaiting their turn so those are three things that really peaks me about clubhouse but i end up tolerating Okay. I pretty much resonate with that. What if you ask me what uh the star. Yeah, bad singers. You mentioned that. People who is there like a polite way to tell something to tell somebody that you don't really sing very well and please do not do that. I wish there was like, you know. Because nobody gets that kind of a feedback. Does any bad singer get a feedback that when he publicly he or she publicly sings no yaar you shouldn't sing i wish yes. i wish the replay function is kept on <laughs> in those rooms so that uh, they can play back and hear what they sang they will automatically hopefully get the thing they won't i mean they they would think it's beautiful and nobody's going to have the courage to tell them so yeah probably they would have to face public humiliation somewhere clubhouse the big bad platform the audio monster that's slowly consuming the whole world in little little bites like you know now twitter has its audio space mm-hmm. facebook has its audio space everybody is into audio right now podcasts are suddenly a big thing everybody in india before like like uh, i started the whole business of trying to have a podcast like a year ago and when you said podcast people thought it was like i wanted to be a an, an rj 
and people were referring to radio stations that you go to that radio station right up and rj is a completely different animal and i was like trying to convince people and in the end i convinced myself like i'm an idiot for trying to do this why am i doing this so the whole audio aspect how did you land up on clubhouse and if you want like you could share your journey relatively short as it was or is you know what has clubhouse contributed to you professionally personally and how did it work out for you sure uh, so the story behind it is that i was looking for an app where i could connect with like minded people and obviously when i search for stuff on the app store clubhouse as a recommendation came and i kind of joined it this was back when it was an invite only thing and as soon as i joined one of my uh, relatives extended family kind of sent an invite so i could join clubhouse within like one or two days i could join it and as soon as i joined it i think i was joining clubhouse in its heydays at its peak so i landed up in a lot of good rooms met a lot of nice people interacted with a lot of the bigger clubs and i also saw the reception that i got from people which was like something that i haven't experienced in my life i don't know is it because i came into my own in my 30s and i was a little less sure of myself in my 20s and in my teens or because the people were of a better quality on clubhouse because it's an audio only app where no pictures no uh, filtered dps and no dancing videos and no funny spoofy co- content is available all that is available is your conversations your ideas your opinions your way of expressing it your language skills your vocabulary that is all that counts here so is it because of that so the quality the kind of people that clubhouse attracted was my kind of crowd but the reception i got here was so warm and so welcoming i think i've made lifelong friends here i've met some great people including you obviously and all the rooms that we did together with our friends so uh, my clubhouse journey has been pretty eventful i have talked about yeah. so many issues by the way yes coming to that <laughs> yes when you so just mildly said that the rooms that we did together yes what were you thinking when you put out those rooms i mean uh, could you like for the for the for the benefit of the audience to understand could you just mention three topics that you put out sure. off the top of your head okay some yes. of the rooms that we had a lot of crowd in and a lot of success in were uh, i remember vividly should sex education be a part of the indian school curriculum then we did one on intercaste marriages and we did a lot of rooms on relationships on social issues on daily life issues things that people find difficult to talk about i think we were very brave and we kind of you know brave <laughs> yes we were very brave I i'll tell say. you what this is this is the scenario that i get when i'm getting into a room that shama is moderating okay there's like first of all the black cats come you know there used to be like the whole monkey club i don't know which club was that i don't remember exactly but there used to be a club that hosts uh, your rooms 
and there used to be the black cats to come in to secure the room to like there are, I, in my mind there's like bodyguards protecting us <laughs> or something and there used to be this ocean of people coming in and uh, i don't know somebody was being kicked out somebody was like like having a debate with with two different moderators at the same time and the chama was apologizing to somebody and hurling back abuse at the other person and i just wanted to know like did you actually get the answers that you were looking for from the rooms that you were doing and did you actually achieve the objective you know i got many answers and i got many questions also in return i felt there was a lot more that i needed to learn i also felt that i had some great perspective on certain issues i met some great people with wonderful insights on uh, the issues that i kind of was talking about in my rooms so uh, yes uh, it was a good experience it was an enriching experience i would call it a valuable app Uh, provided the content is curated well and provided the rooms the topics that people do rooms on are kind of monitored and there's some kind of quality control then clubhouse can be a great place to uh, you know uh, interact with people and get your thoughts out there get good opinions and learn from other people it's a great app with a lot of possibilities The only thing that sometimes worries me about the standard is because now it's not an invite only thing and now anybody and everybody can join so without offending anybody sometimes the wrong people join in the wrong rooms sometimes people troll just waste others time sometimes there are useless pathetic rooms that I don't even want to mention so and waste the time in the podcast by mentioning the rooms so uh, all these things aside i think th- that is an issue with all kinds of social media platforms the refraff content that comes in so other than that i think it's a great app and i had a pretty good experience on it i had a very warm welcome so i realized that i'm a likable person because i uh, got such a great uh, welcome on this app and i met such good friends and people that i can look up to were liking me back so that was a great boost for my self esteem also <laughs> So I had a decent time on the app I would say. Okay. So you you've kind of uh worked up your whole your whole social media presence, you're doing a lot of podcasts, uh you're doing some on uh, live videos. So is there can we expect something is there something that you are moving ahead with purpose because personally knowing you I know that you don't do anything just for for the sake of doing it so i see like a brick a brick a brick and then being laid and something being built here or am i just being paranoid <laughs> oh you will interpret it that way you will call it you being paranoid yeah phil okay so i'll just put it this way i feel that in the day and age that we live in and with the education system moving online everything moving online it's necessary to have an online presence um if you have something worthwhile to say i believe i have so i am trying to build my instagram channel but the aesthetics and the technical bits of it need a lot of work i'll be very honest and i just built my professional instagram account like 10 days back so uh, 
I have started putting out content on it. I feel the content, the core content is really decent. So I would love it if people go and check it out. My can I plug in my Instagram handle here? Oh, it's not going anywhere. You're welcome to say anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I can't like give you a I mean in my honestly say that it's going to help you in any way, but please carry on. Sure. Sure, I'll just mention it that my Instagram handle is my professional one is Shama dot Nair twenty five psychologist. In case you guys are able to remember it, but so we'll have all of that on the description of this podcast. Don't worry about that. Oh, lovely. Okay, perfect. So you do check out my Instagram account. I'll keep on regularly putting content out there. I have plans for a YouTube thing also where I'll talk about careers basically. The Instagram thing I'll talk about psychology issues in general and on the YouTube channel I'm planning to talk about careers. That's something that is being planned along with my team. And yes, I'll continue doing podcasts as and when somebody asks me to do it. And I also have a friend that I have this um, schedule of doing a lot of lives talking about again psychological issues so we feel we have uh, worthwhile things to say we'll not uh, waste anybody's time with uh, pointless content we have uh, useful things to tell people about give information this is not therapy putting out content on instagram is not therapy it's not a therapeutic relationship it doesn't make me a therapist but yeah it's for educational purposes basically and it's just to raise awareness so yeah i have that kind of work in the offing along with my regular work with schools and of course my roles as a mother as a wife as a daughter as a sister that continues for the rest of my life so yeah i'm keeping quite busy <laughs> so yeah that that is the plan as of now That is amazing. I mean, I, I'm personally am so happy that you are doing this. That I see you, you know, doing all these all this stuff within the parameters that you are in, which is kind of amazing. With, with a child that's four years old and having to take care of that responsibility, that in itself is a full time job. And finding the time to do that, this all stuff, just like we mentioned, putting yourself, you know, in front. I'm proud of. the aspect that you're actually doing that i hope all my friends get that opportunity to shine and just like she said i can vouch for the fact that shama does not you know provide you with empty advice that for one person that's something that i can vouch for you maybe have to be prepared to you know take some honest criticism you know so you may not like her Shama, actually, actually, you may have to That's sharpen it. your skills in that, into like buttering it a little bit. You're That's a good it. person, but you know this this thing sucks. You know you. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that very adoring. But there's I I I like I like the fact that there's no usually people like in this realm are like you don't find the division where that happens, where the you suck aspect. gets absorbed into all the oh you're such a wonderful person you have so much pluses positives blah 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 but talking with you it's it's something that stands out yeah i suck and you focus to work on that and the, the result is there to see in this podcast i this is the Absolutely. best audio that i have had on the podcast series so far i'm going to have to go listen to it because of 
your insistence and because of your uh, you know perfectionistic and i know how you are <laughs> so yeah. this episode is dedicated to you shama as it is obviously dedicated evident to you also philip on the title couldn't have done so, it without you thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this i hope you have all the success in all your endeavors on every platform that you step up on people obviously like you so i don't think that there's going to be a problem with that so good luck to <laughs> all of those all of your adventures thank you so much phil and back it all happened here good luck on first. all your ventures too yes <laughs> yeah